We're in James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27. Doers or hearers, which are you? Behaving as we believe. We're going to be talking about that. If you would, stand for reading of God's Word. We honor God by standing when we read His Word. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. This is the Word of God. Please be seated. Now, there's going to be plenty in this lesson today to offend everybody. Because we're going to be talking about the tongue. We're talking about... And, and hearing and listening and that sort of thing. So get ready. You won't be left out. So the theme, the theme of, of James is genuine faith produces genuine works. Okay, your turn. Genuine faith produces genuine works. Okay, good job. Chapter 1 is devoted to trials. Anybody ever had one? Yeah, yeah trials. And we are to ask the giving God for wisdom to make it through the trials. Remember that? We learned that right off. Last week we learned... And making it through trials has benefits. And we saw that we were blessed in verse 12 last week, that we are blessed as the man who endures trials or temptation. For when he was it approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So there's a benefit. Blessed, markarios, fully satisfied, making it through the trials. Also, you saw in that verse that you receive a crown, which is a very big deal. Doesn't sound like a big deal here, but I can assure you when you stand before God and Jesus gives you this crown, it will be a big deal. It's the, it's the crown of life. It's the martyr's crown. And I want you to see something here, that someone dying for their faith gets this crown. But also those who navigate through the trials get this crown. It shows you that your faith is taking you all the way to death and your faith is taking you through the trials. And both of these are extremely significant to God even making it through the everyday trials of life, the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, we've learned that trials come in various ways, various shapes, various sizes. Remember, they come as polka dots, some little, some big, some little, some big, but they're constant in life. Those constant irritating things that take away your joy and your tranquility. Trials. We've also learned that trials follow a consistent process. Remember, Satan has his methods. In, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, and you're talking about spiritual warfare and the armor of God and Satan and that sort of thing, he comes at you with schemes, his methodia, and he has a structured way that he approaches humanity, and it's very, very well thought out and very effective. There are four steps in, in the trial process, the temptation for you to do evil. Step number one, if you remember, the bait is dropped. So we covered this last week. The bait is dropped. The bait is made especially for you. It's perfect for you. And it's like sticking your head in the trap 
and waiting for that thing to go down. When the bait is dropped, you still have a chance to leave. It's still not sin at that point. You have a chance to ex exit. Secondly, step number two, our inner desire is attracted. Well, of course, it's made especially for you. The bait is just for you. It's our own desires that take us away. Now, you can stop at this point also, but it becomes sin when we yield to the temptation, when we yield to it. That is when we're caught in the trap. That's when the mouse or the rat sticks their head in, and what happens? They've taken the cheese and whomp. And with that comes squirming and that sort of thing, and then death. Sin brings death. That's the fourth step. That's that awful feeling of separation, darkness, and depression. Remember, we didn't say that it actually meant physical death, although there are some sins that can lead to physical death. Communion, inappropriately taken, would be one of those, which we'll talk about today. We, we go through those scriptures. We read it every, every time we go have a communion service. Uh, in, in 1 John chapter 5, there's a sin that leads to death. And in James, there would be a, a sin that leads to death that we'll cover at some other point. Uh, but I don't think that's what this is talking about here. I don't think it's talking about physical death or spiritual death. I think it's talking about that awful feeling of separation that you have from God and the darkness that you feel in your spirit. Now, trials for evil are not from God. God never entices for evil. Never entices. Uh, it's always the world, the triunity of evil in, in, in your life. The world the flesh, and the devil. That's the, that's the root of where evil comes from. And in the trial, remember, God only gives good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who does not change like sifting sand. Verse 17. The greatest gift of all is that he brought us forth by the word of truth. And that's talking about salvation. That we read the word, we're convicted by the Holy Spirit that this is truth, we realized that we were sinners and needed of a Savior, and we said yes to the Lord Jesus. The greatest day of our lives, we said yes. Your second greatest day is when you get to exit here. Everybody else is sad and grieving and that sort of thing, but buddy, that's your best day. That's your second best day because you're going to heaven. You're out of this thing. Your tour is over. See, when I went to Vietnam, you had your tour. Well, your tour on earth will be over one day, and that's good news for you. Sad for us who are here, but good for you. Now, since trials are inevitable, since trials come in various ways like polka dots, since, since trials follow a consistent pattern and process, how can I prepare myself for the inevitability of the next trial? Well, we're going to be talking about behaving as we believe, being a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. That is how you are prepared. Let's pray. Our Father, we are indeed thankful for this day. Thank you for each person that is here that wants to hear the Word of God. Thank you that your Spirit implants the Word into our hearts and, and convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment that bears witness to the truth. And I pray today that in this study of James, you will touch each one of our hearts in a different way. You speak to each person, Holy Spirit, in our area of need. And may we not just hear what you have for us today, but may we do what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, behaving as we believe, doers or hearers, which one are you? A little introspection, which one are you? Have you noticed, now I bet you have noticed this, that oftentimes there is a disconnect in Christianity between those who will do and those who will hear, not living out the word. 
This is not uncommon. A.W. Tozer died in 1963. And when you read his works, it is like he is speaking to us today. He looked at his world like we look at our world. Hear what he has to say. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun. It is the glaring disparity between theology and practice among professing Christians. So wide is the gulf that separates theory from practice in the church that an inquiring stranger who chances upon both would scarcely dream that there was any relationship between them. An intelligent observer of our human scene who heard the Sunday morning sermon and later watched the Sunday afternoon conduct. <laughs> and those who heard it would conclude that he has been examining two distinct and contrary religions. It appears that too many Christians want, the, want to enjoy the thrill of feeling right, but are not willing to endure the in inconvenience of living right. Interesting word from A.W. Tozer. How sad that is. James has seen too many people in his lifetime who slapped on the label Christian without preparing themselves to act like Christians, to do instead of just hear. Perhaps you observed this in others. I bet you have. Or maybe you've even observed that in yourself. And I bet you've done that too. Okay. So, being a doer of the word is, is not natural. It is very tough to do. Remember, we're fighting against the world, the flesh, and the devil. There has to be some preparation. So, verse 19 and 20. Preparing yourself to be a doer of the word, not just to hear. So, verse 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren... Speaking to Christians, speaking to Christians in the diaspora, those who are being persecuted. He says this, let everyone be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now this is a significant word. Significant word. Swift to hear. Now, what you want to, to think about with this is, is your receiver turned on? Are you really hearing what God is saying or other people are saying? Are you hearing? Are you really interested? Are you applying what is said to yourself or are you looking at other people and say, oh, that's a great word for that one. It's a great word for you. No, God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us, okay? Are you applying what God is saying to you? That is the key. Hearing is an art that is developed. It is not natural because we always want to speak. We very rarely want to listen. It is developed by time with God. It is not natural to be a good hearer. Proverbs 18.2 says this, A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Isn't that how we, I mean, uh, how, how many times have you been talking to somebody and you aren't hearing a thing they're saying, all you're doing is getting ready for your next argument? Hey, that's, I, I believe me, I'm a type A and I know what that whole thing is about, okay? Uh, the Pharisees, the Pharisees had knowledge of the law. They knew the word inside and out and they used it to control others, to manipulate others. They did not listen to what they heard. They did not allow God's truth to speak to them personally, individually. They were too busy trying to control other people. We have two ears for a purpose. Two ears for a purpose to hear with. How many times did Jesus say to the Pharisees these words? 
Have you not heard? How many times has your wife said to you, Have you not heard? (laughs) And if you're a wife, maybe you can take it from the husband, but I can only... Have you not heard? Doers are swift to hear. It's not natural, but it is a sign you are maturing. You are maturing, and and you have spent time with Jesus and in his word. That is so important. So being a, a good listener, a good listener, it is an art that is developed. It is not natural. Secondly, doers are slow to speak. Now, again, how hard is this for a type A person? When you're a type B, C, D, or E, however that thing goes, and you don't speak a whole lot, that's not so big a problem for you. But when you're a type A, and everything you say is really important, and you got to get it out, that is hard to control. Take a moment. Now, look at, hear this, type A's, A minuses, B pluses, okay? Take a moment before you speak. If we learn to engage our minds before we let out the clutch of our lips, we will be highly, it'd be a great advantage for us. A pause, a reflection could spare us much damage, much damage. Listen, I know what it is to speak too quickly, too quickly. Blabbers crush. Blabbers crush, and then what do we say when we've crushed somebody? I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. And we try to regroup. But the load has already been leveled. It's already been leveled. It takes time. It takes time. And it takes renewed trust to heal a crushed spirit. When you've crushed somebody, simply saying I'm sorry will not right the ship. It takes time and renewed trust. Proverbs 17, 28. I, I, I'm telling these are my verses, okay, just for, for full exposure. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's great. Fools speak before thinking. We have all played the fool, all of us. All of us have done this. This is sometimes it's more unique to a type A, but all of us have spoken before without thinking and have hurt somebody. So we've said something we wish we would not have said and then try to take it back. It's very difficult to take it back. A young man once approached Socrates and asked the philosopher if he would teach him the gift of oratory. His request was then followed by an incessant stream of words until finally Socrates placed his hand over his mouth of the inquirer and said, Young man... I will have to charge you double fee. When the fellow asks why, Socrates says, I will have to teach you two sciences. First, how to hold your tongue, and then how to use it wisely. No one can speak and learn at the same time. No one can speak and learn at the same time. Before we can listen, we must first control our tongues. I'll tell you, this is like taking a... a, a, a stake and driving it right into my heart. It's not natural. It's not natural for us to, to hold our tongues, but it demonstrates that we have been with the Savior. We have been with the Savior. And then finally, doers are slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. The word is orge. O-R-G-E. Now see if you can identify this in yourself. It's anger as a state of mind It's walking around 
with a simmering, unresolved anger, ready to erupt at any time. And usually when it erupts, it erupts on those closest to us. Isn't that something? Erupts on those closest to us. How are you doing if you are a simmerer? What pushes your button? Have you noticed that anger sprouts wings quickly? It can simmer and come to a boil very quickly, and it chokes out faith and peace. Being slow to anger is keeping your anger in check. Deal with anger. Now, I don't, these are words, okay? Deal with anger before it deals with you. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. We deal with the issues as they come up before they reach a blow up. And you know what that takes? That takes the awful word for men, communication. Oh, yes, we have to communicate and speak with one another. I'll tell you, you deal with issues before they blow up, and it's all about living out the Holy Spirit-filled life. It is yielding to the Spirit and saying no to the flesh. If you would, turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through 17. This is something that you have a responsibility to do as a believer. This section is talking to those people who have received Jesus Christ as their Savior and are trying to walk this thing out and live out the Christian life. And it says this to us in verse 8. But now you yourselves, now who has to do this? You yourselves, okay? This isn't God doing it for you. This isn't your mama doing it for you or your daddy doing it for you or your husband doing it for you or your wife. This is you yourself. That's the word. Are to put off. Put off. That means cast off. As we take off our clothes and cast them off. All of these. And the first one is anger. That's our word, orge. That simmering anger. And then wrath as it ratchets it up. Malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of our mouths. We are to put these off as Christians. Put these off as Christians. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now look at Our old man was positionally dead when we received Jesus Christ as our Savior. But you must live out the death of the old man because he will try to resurrect and control your life. So positionally he has died. But you must live this out and put that dude to death. Now watch the new man in verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, this is speaking of the new man, holy and beloved, we are to put on. Just as we cast off, we are to put on tender mercies. That is compassion. That is, a, that is a, a, an attribute of a saved person walking in the Spirit, walking this thing out. Kindness. Humility, meekness, long-suffering, which is macrothumia, means you're patient with people. And then it has this word that I want you to focus on, bearing with one another. You know what that means? Putting up with one another. That's what that means. And you have probably heard it if you got married, because it, it, it means this. It means to have and to hold from this day forward. You are making a commitment to your spouse as I am putting up with you, and you're putting up with me from this day forward. That's what the word means. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Oh, that's a big one. If anyone has a complaint against another, who doesn't? Even as Christ forgave you, you 
you also must do. But above all of these, Paul says, put on love, agape love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body. Now, how in the world do we do this? Well, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If you do not spend time in this word, time with God, allow the spirit of God to work within you, you will not carry this out. That is an essential thing. Teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Look at all the good stuff. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It's all bubbly, isn't it? The new man is supposed to be bubbly. Have life and joy abundantly. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then it goes on to say, this is the spirit-filled person. This is the person spending time in God's word. Wives submit. Husbands love. Children obey. Bond servants, be good workers in the workplace. You only carry this out as you're filled with the Spirit. This is not natural. This is not, our natural thing is selfish to want our way. So that's what we're talking about. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, slow to let this stuff ramp up. If you do this, if you, if you do these principles, anger can be put off and it will become less of a problem. Remember, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It does not produce the righteousness of God. The remedy for your unrestful, simmering spirit is have your quiet time with God and live as the new man that you are, not the old dead man. Amen? Amen. Now, we're talking about doers and hearers. So verse 21, a a huge characteristic of doers that they receive the word. Verse 21. Therefore, lay aside, cast off, okay, all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, oh, the implanted word, and watch what it does, which is able to save your souls. This word of God can lead you to salvation. It is the truth of God. It will convict you of, of your need for a savior. It is very significant in the salvation process. First of all, step number one, lay aside all filthiness. Well, what does that mean? Well, filthiness has many meanings when you look it up in the the Zadiades Greek text, but it also has a medical meaning. And the word is rupos, and in the medical sense, it, it refers to earwax, earwax. James is saying, get anything which stops you from hearing out of your ears, out of your life. Get the wax out. Get the wax out. So once the wax is out, receiving the word is the next step. To accept readily the word, the implanted word, the word, eager to know God's word. Do what the word expects. Have a teachable spirit. Have a teachable spirit. Remember, knowledge puffs up. Receive with, oh, meekness. Meekness, the implanted word of God. Meekness, the implanted word of God. Verse 22. So doers receive the word. Doers also do. Doers do. Do what they have been taught. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Watch this. Deceiving yourselves. If you just hear this and you do not apply it, you have been deceived in thinking you're okay. 
You're not okay. If you do not apply what God is teaching you, you are not okay. So let's develop this. Many Christians live divorced from truth because they confuse agreeing with Scripture with obeying Scripture. What a statement. What a statement. What does a doer do? Well, what, was an, what does an obeyer look like? Well, they look intently into the Word. That's what a, that's what a doer does. Starts there digging into the Word. Not simply a cursory reading of the Word. Because you can read this in a rapid fashion and say, oh, I did my time. It's like you went in prison. I did my time in the Word. Okay? No, it is intensely asking God to speak to you. What are you telling me on this text, Lord? What am I to get out of this? And how can I apply this to my life? We observe the text. We interpret the text. We correlate the text. And we apply the text. That's the inductive method of Bible study. We do it continuously, regularly, daily. It has to be a habit. It's not occasional. Not in a crisis. How many people go to the Word in a crisis? It's a crisis! No, you get into the Bible to stay out of the crisis. That's the method there. And then you don't forget the Word. You learn Scripture. What does that mean? You meditate on the Scripture. You memorize the Scripture. That takes work. It takes work for the new man. It's not natural. See, it's natural to stay the old you and let life just go by and be miserable at quasi-Christian experience. And then you do the Word. Apply it what you have learned in your life. Now, Chuck Swindoll has this to say about hearers of the word. The Greek term for hearers is an interesting one. It refers to someone who audits a course at a university, someone who listens carefully and takes notes, but has no assignments, tests, or responsibilities. In short, it represents someone who merely takes in information. Takes in information. James plainly states that those who simply audit the faith are deceiving themselves about their Christianity, and that sincere believers will prove their authenticity by applying what they hear. You're a doer of the Word. Folks, be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer of the Word. When you go home today, doers do. Just What did the guy talk about? Well, I don't know, but he kept saying doers do. Doers do the Word, okay? Verse 23 through 25, there's a big difference between a doer and a hearer. Doers and hearers will be contrasted here. Now, try to follow this closely. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets. That's the key word here. Immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Oh, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. That's God's word. And continues in it, key point, continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed, Marcarios, fully satisfied in what he does. So, doers do. Doers do. Doers and hearers are contrasted. Hearers literally, literally this for a hearer, in one ear and out the other. Did your mother ever say that? It just went right in your ear, Rick, and went right out the other. I mean, I told you to hear in one ear and out the other. Or people hear what they want to hear in order to justify their conduct or their behavior. Oh, I like that. I like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take that in, but not the whole thing. If you do not apply what you hear, it will be conveniently forgotten, as it says in verse 24. It looks in the mirror walks away, 
and forgets what he sees. People tend to forget what they don't want to change. Let me say that again. People tend to forget what they don't want to change. Remember, the flesh rationalizes, makes excuses to continue to do what the flesh does. Remember we talked about Watchman Nee. And Watchman Nee talked about the flesh wanting to maintain the status quo, does not want to change. The flesh cry to the, and the hearer's cry is, let's just keep this thing at the same level. Don't get too radical with this thing. You don't really want to change too much and get like those crazy Christians over there. No, it's God expects us to change, folks. There's a process that he has us in, and that is to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That is the reason that you have life and breath and all things. You become more like Jesus, and you represent Jesus in the culture. That's, what, that's why you're here. And when, that, when that's done, then you get to go. Notice I say get to go. For everybody else, again, it'll be sad and gloom and despair, and oh my goodness, what happened to that poor Johnny? He just left. No, Johnny's good. You're just not good. You're still here. You're stuck here. You get to go soon. Okay? Remember, rationalizing, making excuses, status quo, that's the flesh. Doers, however, have been convicted by God's word and change their behavior. They continue in the word. Do not forget the word, verse 25. The benefits for this, for those who continue in God's word, again, you are blessed, makario, satisfied, fully satisfied. Isn't that what we want in a life? Don't we want to have a life of purpose and value and meaning? I think so. I think so. When you get done with this race, this marathon called life, you want it to have been worth something. Worth something. Now, verse 26 is an uh-oh verse. If, you know, just uh-oh, we got to talk about this. Something for all of us. Doers control their tongue. Oh, no. If anyone among you thinks he's religious, now religious is outwardly spiritual. This is what you see, a religious person. People get to see a religious you, don't know the real you, okay? That's the outward appearance. So if anyone thinks he is religious and does not, oh, bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. All the outward show, all the demonstration, if you cannot control your tongue, it is useless. So doers are spirit-controlled and can control their tongue. You can't do this in the natural. You cannot do this in the natural. It has to come as God's Spirit controls us. We yield to the Spirit of God. Hearers are flesh-controlled, are flesh-controlled. And listen to this. These are people that shoot from the hip. Shoot from the hip. What do I mean by that? You say something before you think. Boom, it's out there. And you've caused, caused, some, caused some injury. Lacking a filter. You ever hear anybody say that? You're lacking a filter. Not, you, you, use your filter. Use your filter. You don't have to say that, okay? You don't have to say everything you're thinking. Doers work on change. Hearers are satisfied, satisfied with the status quo. Look, at Christianity is dynamic. It is growth. It is continual. It is movement. It is not static. You don't just make it one day, and okay, I'm in. I'm in the club, and that's it. No more. Not going any farther. That is not what Christianity is. 
It is dynamic. It is not static. We are to be conformed in the likeness of Christ. If we are not growing, we are shrinking. No question about it. You cannot take your oars out of this water called life and not have the current of life take you into never-never land of bad. You take your oars out in the water and on, on, that, on that river, where do you go? You're neutral. You're a neutral, but where do you go? You go backwards. You go backwards. That's exactly what happens in the Christian life. You must work on, on controlling your tongue and demonstrate growth and maturity by being with the Lord. Now, there's a couple of verses I want to give you that I memorized for myself. Okay, here are these verses, Psalm 141, verse 3 and 4. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, and watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing. Do you know that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, we hear these words? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Isn't that condemning? I mean, how many times have you shot from the hip, and out of your mouth comes what you want to take back, like, really fast? Oh, I wish I didn't say that, you know? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another one, Proverbs 29, 11. Now, the, the world says, let it out. Dump all your stuff on somebody. It's okay. You have to get that poison out of you. Get it out of you. Well, God's word says this. A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. You don't have to say everything you're thinking. Have a filter. There is, however, a right time and a right way to deal with issues. You do not ignore issues. You must deal with them. Shooting from the hip destroys, but controlled, earnest communication. Hearing truth, speaking truth, goes both ways. Communication heals, but it takes work. It takes work. It's not natural. You will hear these points more and more in the study in James, because James has a lot to say about the tongue, particularly chapter 3. If one does not control their tongue, their religion is worthless. You know why? What do people, you, you have this outward religious persona, and then your tongue spews venom. And what, how do people view you? What's the big thing that people say about Christians? You are a hypocrite. Oh, yes, and we're all mask wearers. You know when somebody says that to me, I says, yep, you got that right. Yep, uh-huh, that is a true statement. We all are wearing masks to some extent. We just want to become less of a mask wearer and more honest. But there is some extent that we all do this. So, oh, how quickly we can destroy our witness when we do not control our tongue. Verse 27, doers affect the world around them. Doers affect the world around them. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, notice it says that Doers get involved, and, you're, and, and they have two examples of the most vulnerable in the culture, orphans and widows. So, doers get involved. The text speaks about the most vulnerable. In James's day, there was no welfare system. There was no government assistance. The church had to step in. That's the appropriate thing. Doers actually help others. Doers actually get involved. Don't just talk about it. Oh, I think I, that's a good thing to think about. I might think about, I might think, how many times do we think about and not do? Doing gets doing done, 
thinking gets thinking done. Okay? Just a word of wisdom. So you help those who cannot help themselves. Not helping those who won't help themselves. You get the difference. There are people who refuse to help themselves. We're not talking about helping them. We're talking about those who are in desperate need and they can't help themselves. Hearers, however, focus on themselves and how everything affects them. There's a huge difference. And then doers keep themselves unspotted from the world. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? How does unspotted from the world look? Well, free from the world's influence. The, world, the word for world there is cosmos. Cosmos is the entire world system that is controlled by Satan. Now, you remember that everything in this world is in the kingdom of darkness except for Christians. Really, that's just how, that's just how it is. God has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. So the entire world system is, is under, the, under the control by Satan and is hostile. It is host, not neutral, it's hostile to the cause of Christ and to you, a Christ follower. The secular worldview and a biblical worldview are in direct opposition to one another. And as the culture becomes more depraved, this opposition becomes more profound and more in your life and in your face, okay? Brandon House, in his book, Religious Trojan Horse, writes this about a worldview. Now, I've shared this with you before, but since you remember 10% of what I say, I want to say it again, okay? So, worldview. What's a worldview? Well, the lens through which a person views the world. It is the foundation of values that determines how a person acts and lives his or her life. Everybody has a worldview. Every human has a worldview, how they, the lens in which they see the world around them. A worldview answers such questions as, where did we come from? Why are we here? What happens after we die? Very important. A worldview can be applied to life disciplines, such as law, science, economics, history, religion, family, and education. It applies to everything. Your worldview impacts everything. Now, hear this statement, and this is the one that I really want you to remember. A person's theology, remember theology is the study of God, your view of who God is, that's theology. And doctrine, all doctrine means teaching, learning, what you've been taught, what you've learned. All theology and doctrine determines a person's worldview. Their worldview then determines their values. And values will then determine conduct. Huge, huge definition here. Huge definition. Your, what you think about God, what you've learned about God, determines your worldview. And your worldview determines your values, and values will determine how you conduct yourself in this world. In this world. I thought that was good, good information from Brandon House. Good information. So, how do we go unspotted from the world? We want to know that we have a biblical worldview that will be in distinctly different than, than the secular worldview. And we do not want to be enamored with what the world values, and that is very hard to do because you are inundated daily with marketing schemes that are to enamor, get you enamored to the world that you're living in. Oh, you need this. Oh, you need that. You know, we, we've reached the point in the world that if you don't like this, you can get rid of it. You don't like that, you can get rid of it, including husbands, wives, or whatever, jobs, or, you know. You don't be enamored with the world values. The world values always money, power, 
control, dominance, self-gratification. It's all about my self-esteem, how I'm doing, how I'm doing. False gods, false gods. Do not be enamored with what the world values. Those truly immersed in God's word live out the unspotted, unpolluted, undefiled religion and realize more and more, I don't belong here. Again, if you feel that you're fitting right into this world system like a hand in a glove, then you better examine yourself to see whether you are indeed in the faith. Examine yourself. I don't fit here because there's a worldview clash. Ambassadors, yes, that is what we are. We are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, be brought in right relationship with God. God made him who had no sin be made sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are ambassadors. We represent our king. And I was saying in the men's group yesterday, look at we're ambassadors for the Lord Jesus. We represent him. What does that mean? The world cannot see you. You must be cloaked in Jesus. They cannot see the real you coming out. Okay, that is very important. If you're going to be a Christ follower and you're telling people about the Lord Jesus, they must see Christ in you, not you in you. Big difference. Hopefully you're becoming more conformed to the likeness of Christ. Citizens here? No, we are not citizens. The way the world thinks and acts is contrary to a biblical worldview. This world is not our home. We must live in such a way that you are not rooted here. Not rooted here. So finally, let's close this. This is a time for introspection. Time to look at your life. Time to see how we measure up with what we've just heard today. Personalize it. Are you quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath? Now, maybe you're none of those. I've got a problem with each one of them. Or maybe you have a particular problem with one of those that's more significant than another. Do a little introspection. Which is most difficult for you? Secondly, do you receive the word? Do you get the wax out of your ears so that you can receive and hear the word, the filthiness out? Now, some people, things that can separate you from hearing God's word. Recreation, workaholics, friends, families, entertainment. You fill in the blank. Could be anything. It's not that those are bad, but we must have the highest priority as our God, as our relationship with him. Do you work on not forgetting the word? Are you, what are you doing to help not forget? Are you studying the word? Are you meditating? Are you memorizing? Are you looking to really change your life? You must have the discipline of meditating and memorizing Scripture if you really want to change. It doesn't come by wishing and hoping. It does not come that way. And how are you doing with memorizing the Scripture? Psalm 141, set a guard over my mouth, or Proverbs 29.11, a fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds him. How are you doing with those things? We are living in a society where the tongue is unchecked. Exit God, exit filters. Have you noticed? People tend to be more vicious in the way that they speak. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And finally, are you impacting your world? 
Do you have a biblical worldview, or are you blending? Are you blending in with the world around you? You know, God has placed you here to represent him. You are, I don't care where you are, where God has placed you, you are in full-time ministry, full-time electrician, full-time at the store, full-time at the teaching. You are a full-time minister representing your king wherever he's placed you. Please remember that. Please remember that. Full-time ministry. How are you impacting your friends, your family, your co-workers, and your world? Just a little introspection. Are those in the world seeing in you something that they want, or are they simply seeing a reflection of themselves in you? Good question. Do you have lip service faith? No change of life faith? Or do you have real faith? Good questions to ponder. James is encouraging believers in his days and in ours to take a moment to look at your life and examine it. Please do that. Look at your life and examine it. Are you a doer or a hearer? Do you have a biblical worldview or have you been sucked in to a secular worldview and trying to balance? It's like a surfboard. I'm in between. I'm in between waves. I'm in between the world. I'm in between God. That is the most precarious place to be and the most unsatisfying place to be. And you're saying, Christianity just isn't working for me. Well, you can't dabble between the two. You have to be all in or all out. That's how it works. Either you're all in or you're not in if you're going to have the joyful life. Plato said this. Look at our life and examine it. Plato said this. The unexamined life is not worth living. Paul said, examine your life to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Test yourself. 2 Corinthians 13.5. Doers or hearers, we still have time to change our script, to change the way that we're doing things, and live a blessed life, fully satisfied as a doer, and make an impact. This is it. This is our time. This is our time to impact the world around us. We don't get a second chance. This is it. This is it. And I'll tell you, you'll be glad you did. Doers or hearers, that is the question of the day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to study your word. Holy Spirit, please do your work in each one of our hearts. You've spoken to each one of us differently at different parts in this talk. You've gotten our attention. And help us to hear what you've said and then to do what you've said. Thank you for the book of James. Thank you for how convicting it is to each one of us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.